Welcome back to Tap That AZ Podcast. I'm Eric Walters. I'm your host. And in today's episode, we talk with a Tucson distillery who is producing hand sanitizer, like many of the distilleries across the country, really, um, especially here in Arizona. I want to say especially like we're doing it more, but that's who I notice and pay attention to are the Arizona distilleries and breweries and food and everything Arizona, because I love Arizona. And... Uh, I love you guys. So thank you for listening to the show. Before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about what we also have going on. We are selling, I'm selling the Tap That Easy t-shirts, gray t-shirts with the Tap That Easy logo on the front and stay awesome on the back. $25. That includes shipping. $5 of each sale will go towards the Teresa Sorrell's Legacy Fund. And I don't have a store set up yet, so hit me up on social media direct messages or email me eric at tapthataz.com and let me know that you would like a t-shirt and also where we have t-shirts and the arizona beer book through the arizona so arizona beer book is forty dollars which includes shipping ten dollars of each of those sales is going to go towards that Teresa soros legacy fund we have two different types of shirts $5 of each of those shirts is going to go towards that fund as well. And like I said, all those prices include shipping. So the Arizona click on the, sh- uh, the shop. I was going to say ship, but that actually sh- would be a good idea. Put a ship button up there and then you could just ship stuff. One click purchasing like Amazon, right? No, that sounded dumb. All right, back, back on track. Click on the shop tab at the top of the page at the Arizona and you'll be able to find the book and the two shirts that we have. We have a regular t-shirt and then we have the baseball tee. So go check it out. Also coming up this Saturday, April 18th from two until six, the Arizona virtual beer fest. So we can't do beer festivals or gatherings at this point. So the Arizona craft brewers guild decided to throw a party online and do the AZ Virtual Beer Fest. And that's the website as well, azvirtualbeerfest.com. Go to the website, check out all the info, including um, how to buy tickets and all that. I'll be doing a trivia, so working on the details of that right now. But during the Beer Fest, I'm going to have 48 questions about Arizona beer and Arizona breweries. And the winner will win some stuff. Haven't quite decided what it is yet or gathered all the things that it's going to be but pretty safe to say it's going to include a shirt uh, arizona beer book some gift cards to some of your favorite arizona breweries so good times come in if you think you know what you're talking about when it comes to arizona beer make sure you jump in on that when we do it i'll send you more details once we get the details ironed out all right so Let's get into this one. So distilleries and and breweries right now are starting to produce hand sanitizer due to the major shortage in it. So in this episode, I talk with Town Under Black Distillery, a newer distillery in Tucson doing amazingly cool things, and talk to them about what they're doing to help fill that void uh, in some of the very, very in-need places across the state of Arizona. So we also talk about the future of their distillery and... They play by their own rules, and these rules are ancient rules, literally. So let's do this. Let's tap into making hand sanitizer at Town Under Black Distillery. All right, so my guest today, she is one of the owners of Town Under Black, one of the coolest concept businesses out there. I mean, whether we're talking alcohol, food, music, I don't care what it is, Beck, you guys <laughs> do some bad shit, badass shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what, well, first of all, what, what's your, what's your first and last name? Uh, so my name is Rebecca Carroll. Um, back to those who are cool enough to call me that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I am. I guess yeah. I am. You're like, I didn't give you permission for that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, my partner Vlad and I are both the co-owners and the only employees of Town Under Black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Accounting, distilling, marketing, all of yeah. that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, well, and I know I should have been prepared for this with the episode number, but I had you guys on, um, uh, I don't know. I feel like it was about a, it was about a year ago. It was like ago. a year ago. Yeah. Probably pretty close to 
It was probably in March or something. That's true. We need to look into that. I, I act like I don't have the information. I'm like, oh, I could just look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but Town Under Black, uh, we did the episode with you guys. and was really cool because we did it at Crooked Tooth and we had uh, the folks from Cotton and Copper there as well. So that was a pretty badass group of people. I mean, they're like my two heroes of of the industry, the on the beer side and on the food side. They're I was yeah. really starstruck that day. <laughs> you were nervous. You were so nervous, and I felt bad. But I'm like, you're so awesome. You're gonna do great, and you did. And then even afterwards, I'm like, so was that as bad as you thought it was gonna be? You're like, it was worse than I thought. <laughs> I don't know if those, those were your words, but you're like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was rough, but you did amazing back. So nice work. Nice work. <laughs> Hopefully my microphone skills have improved, but I don't, I don't know. You have a cool backdrop. You have a cool backdrop that, that white brick back there. You've got, you've got uh, Vlad's uh, rockstar microphone that you're holding there. Yeah. So. And the same right. shirt that you uh, saw me in on the live. Instagram uh, live like a week ago or whatever that was. <laughs> haven't taken it off. <laughs> I, I don't know if this was a different shirt either though. So I probably was wearing the same shit. Like I don't, we don't care at this point. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't think I cared ever anyways. Like I'll wear the same stuff all the time. I don't care. <laughs> so um, town under black, you guys do, you really do like a, tr- like a, like a true old school, old school, way of of distilling right like i mean this is this is can i say ancient i mean i, I feel weird saying ancient to a to a uh, archaeologist but uh i know we're such sticklers for for timelines <laughs> no it is ancient it really is it's okay. ancient yeah yeah and what is it like what how do you guys how do you guys do what you do at town under black uh so um i mean we look at with my background with archaeology, we're looking at like all these ethno- ethnographic reports. We're looking at um, historical documents that we found, um, surveys of, of of moonshiners from like the the 1700s, and just going all into that and trying to recreate everything that we can to to reproduce those techniques and those processes. So. We all do all open fermentation. Um, we're experimenting with different vessels for fermentation, like clay. Yeah. Um, and uh, we distill out of, I think it's the only wooden still in commercial production in the U.S. right now. Um, wow. And that was when is, you guys you guys built that, right? We built everything in our distillery. Yeah. We built everything, which comes into play later when we start to reconfigure everything for sanitizer ah gotcha yeah yeah but yeah <laughs> wait you didn't a, think about that when you guys were building it like we were making right? hand yeah. sanitizer at some point yeah I, I was telling somebody earlier like this is the first time that i've been upset and not having like a 500 gallon vodka still ah, because you would really <laughs> want to drink it ah. completely yeah right <laughs> completely antithetical to our business model but but exactly what you need to make large volumes of sanitizer right now uh gotcha so but you guys are you're going to be making it work with what you got right i mean is that yeah 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 Yeah, i I don't want to i don't want to like jump over things too fast but vlad just completely tore apart and uh and rebuilt our entire still so that we have a, a fractionating column now so that we can get the ABV up high enough to meet um, FDA standards for producing hand, hand sanitizer. So uh. before when we were making whiskey, um, because we were following all these traditional models and traditional ways of doing things, um, it was built for flavor and not for efficiency. Okay. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out at about the proof that we want it to be at um, for the whiskey. So we, we dilute it very little. Yeah, um, but that's around you know sixty some percent, and sanitizer needs to be above eighty percent. Ah. So we had to do some some real creative adaptations still <laughs> to to get it up there. <laughs> I think if anybody can do it, it's you guys for sure. Like the, the, yeah, Vlad's a mad scientist with the still. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. I can I can see him lo- like just getting excited. Like for me, like if someone's like, hey, you need to. F- this thing you built, you need to redo it. I'd be like, damn it. Like, come on. I know. I know. I have no patience for that. And he'll (laughs) just, just tear it apart and start it all over again. He has no qualms about that. With excitement probably, right? With so much excitement. Yeah. He's he's over the moon. Yeah. (laughs) So you're at the distillery right now, right? 
Mm-mm. Oh, okay. We're, okay. Uh, we're at uh, my we're at my parents' apartment. Oh, ah, gotcha. <laughs> well, they are well. They are quarantined in uh, California. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you drinking their beer? Is that is that their Genesee? Uh, <laughs> I have no. They actually don't even drink. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you have good taste in beer, Beck. Nice, nice job. Just good taste in in alcohol in general. So, thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we so scored think- this uh, at the at the Oriental Market right down the the street from us, where, incidentally, and perhaps uh, racistly, there are no shoppers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually, yeah. That there's probably some of that involved with that. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I've never seen Genesee out here. I've seen Genesee cream ale at like total wine. Um, but apparently I'm going to the wrong places for it. You've got, <laughs> yeah, you've got to hit the Oriental markets. They've got things from all over that you don't find normally. Yeah. I love it. I love cheap. it. And it's cheap. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I've, my, my, um, I guess my shopping list of beer has changed dramatically over the last month. Like I'm grabbing 30, <laughs> 30 Miller lights at a time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, there've been times where I've, I've spent like $50 on like 10 beers, right? You know, you get like some Pueblo Vita beers or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Goldwater, whatever it is. And, and so I've spent, I went to, I, I, I did a supplies run today. So I went to target, got everything we needed, went to the grocery store, and I told my wife, I'm like, I spent $50 on beer, but it is two weeks worth of beer. That is right. $3 per day or something. You know? I'm like, that's efficiency. I know, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. gone are the days, well, just for a short amount of time of yes. uh, our, our beautifully curated six packs of local beer that we pick out one by one from yeah. the shelves, you know, on the local liquor stores. But yeah. <laughs> now we're going for volume. Yeah, exactly. You got to adjust. Humans adjust, right? <laughs> so, all right, you guys have been doing some amazing things. Um, the, the one, the, I would say the, I don't know, is, would you call it a flagship? Uh, the whiskey that you guys have with the cacao is that like, that's the, that's the one, right? I mean, that's the that one. That is that, the one. The that one. Is the, the only one. The yeah. only one. <laughs> I'm saying it's the top one just because the other ones haven't come out yet. But uh, but w- w- explain what that is for people that didn't listen to the last episode. And if you, you need to go and listen to it, I'm going to find the episode number as you're explaining this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and actually, I, I think we weren't even open when we recorded that. So I think you were getting really close to open. I think we tried to time it to when yeah. you released it so, or something. So, yeah. Now we are open and you can actually buy this product that we're describing. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Um, yes. So what it is, um, it's uh, called Six Sky Whiskey. And that name comes from a uh, Mayan warrior queen because we're all about history here. Yeah. Um, so she's one of the only um, Mayan queens who was endowed with that specific warrior status because she won just a massive amount of military conquests during her reign, but she was the uh, the ruler of a place called Saal, which is translates to the place where maize abounds. Okay. And this is a 100% blue corn whiskey. Um, so it's using a, a strain of corn that it most closely resembles um, for this region, what, what that old maize would have been. Ah, gotcha. And, um, one of the really cool things about brewing and about distilling history in that region, um, which all worked its way up through Guatemala, through Mexico, and up into the Southwest here, is uh, the use of chocolate and corn together, which it's not something that you would really think of as a pairing, or maybe not, maybe you would. <laughs> that sounds like um, a Midwest but, thing, too. That sounds like something my yeah, mother-in-law would make. Like, here's some corn with some yeah. chocolate on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pour a little chocolate syrup in a big But what they did is that um, the use of chocolate was to ferment it for a beverage, for an alcoholic beverage, a very light beer, okay. and uh, mixing that with corn. Um, and you still have um, sort of non-alcoholic versions of that that you can buy on the streets of Oaxaca now. It's called Tejate, and um, it's made with with corn, like a corn gruel and chocolate. Um, so we wanted to sort of invoke those flavors and invoke that history. And meanwhile, use all of these early American distilling techniques that we have that are indigenous to the United States, because 
corn, corn whiskey is really our spirit um, in the, in the U S. So this is a really classically distilled uh, 100% blue corn whiskey that's then infused with cacao, not to really do a flavored whiskey, um, but just to get that sort of like complimentary aroma of the chocolate with the really sweet corn. Yeah. Vlad and I are both sort of in the camp that, and this is a very divisive opinion, so okay. I don't want to get chewed out for it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oak is is very sweet, and the and all of those those wood flavors, and then vanillins, and all the compounds in oak add a lot of sweetness to uh, whatever spirit it's uh, that's aging in it. Okay. And corn has a lot of sugar. Corn is already a very sweet spirit in my opinion, and a very okay. um, silky spirit. So it's got like a lot of mouthfeel to it. So when you yeah. combine that really sweet silkiness with oak and that su- sweetness, to me, it's a little bit cloying, the sweetness. Okay. Okay. Too <laughs> so much. So we wanted to, yeah, we wanted yeah. to um, keep it as an unaged spirit, which is the way that all early American spirits would have been unaged. That's a, aging in barrels is a very, very recent development. Um, and just to temper that sort of sweetness with the bitterness of the chocolate. Yeah. And it works. It works. Like when we came down, you guys had a whole, you guys had a a whole setup. Like there was different cups and it was, we had a lot of experiments for you to try. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. There was, I, I, you guys were like, Hey, we got, I don't remember what it was. It was almost like, it was like, it looked like an orange juice, Lemon um, wine. Lemon wine. That was amazing. Like that was, that blew my socks off. I kept drinking that. I knew we were supposed to split it up amongst, amongst like eight of us, but I kept, <laughs> I kept going for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a year later, we still have that and it tastes even better now. It's really? aging like a, like a, like a wine, like a grape wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like vintage now. <laughs> I love it. I, I love what you guys are doing because uh, I think I might share it with you, but when I made a trip to, I'm all about Arizona, all about Arizona beer, but the place that really blew my mind, really put, put, um, spirits, beer, all that, even like farming and food and stuff on another level for me was going to Jester King in Austin, Texas, because they do all spontaneous fermentation with their beers. And so I really started digging into that. And I liked the, the, the old school techniques of, of doing these things and actually following it. Right. Cause that's a difference. Like people say, Oh, we do this ancient technique and we have this old rustic label. Like, yeah, but you guys are just, you're playing it up. Come on, you know, and, and, you know, places like Jester King and, and, uh, you know, some places in Arizona, Arizona wilderness, they're getting into it now as well. And and you guys like just, just with the experimentation, I, I, I don't think it's the town under black. I think it might be Vlad's personal Instagram, but seeing him start to make beer and Mm -hmm. like the wild, like spontaneous fermentation beer, ah, I, I get I'm excited. I, I don't yeah, know what to say. <laughs> the, the, the beer world is like 10, you know, optimistically 10 years, maybe even 15 or 20 years ahead of craft distilling. Wow. Um, and it's really exciting to see all of these breweries now start to embrace all of these really old, you know, beer making techniques. Yeah. And um, so we're doing that. Yeah. On, on the spirit side and, I think it's going to be, you know, probably another decade before the spirits industry starts embracing it as much as the beer industry has. But, ah, I see what you're saying. But we're we're gonna we're we're riding the forefront of that wave. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Not always a, not always a smooth wave, is it? <laughs> no, it's choppy. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but but what I love about it is is it it it's not. the way I see it is you guys aren't doing it because like, Oh, no one else is doing this is cool. Like I think you guys are doing it because you really love and appreciate the processes. And I mean, with your background in archeology, span like this is something that's like really personal to you guys. It seems. Yeah. This business model was so crazy that it had to be something that we were 
just so passionate that we would give anything just to do it, you know, because there's no, I mean, we don't make any money. We don't make any money off of it, but but we're so happy to like go into work every day. And we're so excited researching all these different things and finding all these new recipes and going out to the desert and collecting all these different ingredients and learning about the seasons and then finding a new spot with a new stand of plants, you know, and yeah, and it's, it's in it, this sounds super cheesy but it's the kind of job where you you know keep learning something new every day so it just keeps it fresh and engaging all the time i would hate to yeah. go into a distillery and push a start button on a still uh, yeah and then just have it churn out money <laughs> yeah yeah like you're you're like mr burns like with your fingers like yeah. mm, we're gonna, we, these people have no idea what they're in for we're gonna take them for all their money like no this is this is something you guys are behind 100 percent, and i think that elevates your brand and, and your product just like immensely so um i love it I love it. What is, uh, well, so one of the main things that we, that we, um, we connected about recently was, uh, the hand sanitizer thing, right? You know, there's obviously a a major shortage with, you know, COVID-19. Uh, there's a huge demand for this. And we started seeing, um, you know, some of the distilleries here in Arizona really step it up and and start to produce whether for, you know, for customers that come in or are now just like supplying hospitals or whatever it is. So, so, Tell me about how you, how that came about for you guys. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking to a couple reporters and, and people in the States and they keep asking us, um, you know, like, how did you get into this? Why did you decide to do this? And we just don't know how to answer that because okay. <laughs> I just can't imagine being able to make ethanol and not doing this. I, I don't yeah. know. There's like, there's no answer to it. We make ethanol and, and there's a shortage of ethanol. So here we are making yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing what you were doing anyways, right? right? Yeah. Doing For the most doing part. Anyways, but um, then being able to apply it to where it's needed the most right now, you know, we don't, as much as we like drinking whiskey in, in these times, we don't need it the way that, that we need sanitizer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so it's been like, an amazing thing to see all the distilleries, not just in our state, but all over the United States, um, stepping up and stepping into this, even before we got the go ahead from the FDA and from the TTB, which we're really fortunate to have had that. Yeah. Um, people were just going to be like, I'm just going to illicitly do this. Like it's, this is what, this is what is right, you know, and, and it needs to be done and we'll just accept the consequences later. Um, so fortunately, bureaucracy the wheels kept turning and 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 got on board with it so that the ttb um, waived the excise tax on uh, alcohol that's being donated for the use in sanitizer and then the fda uh, lessened the requirements so that we don't need you know a licensed uh, pharmacist to make it the distilleries can actually produce it themselves and that we can do it um you know using their set guidelines um, and formulas, but that we can do it, you know, without using industrial grade, um, you know, pure ethanol. So we can do it as a whiskey distillery, so long as our final product is above 80% ABV. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And and that's funny too, because I I think that that's probably a lot different than uh, what a lot of, what distilleries deal with a lot of times, right? Where it's like, Hey, your alcohol needs to be this strong or higher, right? Or normally it's like, Hey, it can't be that strong. You gotta, you yeah. gotta bring that, ABV, yeah. you know, you gotta bring that <laughs> alcohol content down. <laughs> yeah. Now they're saying go nuts, go nuts yeah. with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you guys working? So let me ask you this. So are you just producing the ethanol to be able to then someone else create the sanitizer or are you guys doing the whole thing? Yeah. So at Town Under Black, we're doing the entire process. And part of the reason why we're doing that is uh, we're such a small batch distillery and our capacity is so small. um, It really doesn't make sense. We can't, we can't do bulk ethanol orders anyway. Um, And then it also gives us more control over the final product because if we're giving it to individuals, they don't necessarily have equipment to measure, you know, specific gravity. Uh-huh. Um, they don't have like a, an, an alcoholometer or a hydrometer or something. And you just never know when you're mixing things, you want it to be effective. I would hate yeah. it if 
we gave our, our ethanol to somebody and they were using it in faith that, that we'd given some, them something that could kill the virus. And then yeah. it was diluted too much. So being effective. So making it ourselves gives us that control to ensure that standard is maintained. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And how do you, how do you make it? Like what, what goes into the process of, of making sanitizer? It's super, it's super easy. And okay. so I, I don't want to dissuade anybody from making it at home because it is very easy. And if that's, if you have access to the ingredients, then go for it. But the other part of us being able to make it is that all of the individual ingredients that go into it are scarce, not just the ethanol, but every single part of it. So because we have wholesale access, you know, we're a business, it, it gives us a little bit more leverage to sort of source those ingredients, which are uh. just um, glycerol, ethanol, and then um, hydrogen peroxide. And what those three things are is we have to use, um, the ethanol is the active ingredient that kills microbes. Okay. And we use denatured ethanol, which just means that you take beverage grade ethanol and put something in it that is toxic so that people don't drink it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the reason why they do it that way is um, just so that people don't get around tax, you know, things because we're, they tax the bejesus out of us as, as distillers. Um, so we wouldn't, you know, they're, they're trying to make it so that we're not selling sanitizer as alcohol that you could drink to uh, just relabeling yeah. it, you know, and then so <laughs> people so are just pumping be, yeah. in their mouths. Just, yeah. yeah. It has to be denatured. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so don't drink it. All right. Yeah, have you, have you, did you watch the office? Did you used to watch the office? I did not. Well, there there was a character, this girl, this lady who was like an alcoholic, and there's a couple times like throughout the series where like chaos is going on in the office about something, and you'll see her over there just pumping some hand sanitizer yeah. and then just licking <laughs> <Yeah>. it, <laughs> just keeping the shakes away a little bit, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so at home, do not do not eat hand sanitizer. It will not have the effect that you want it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and so, uh, glycerol, you said. Yeah, so glycerol, glycerol is just an emollient. Um, so basically, it is just a uh, a medium to convey the alcohol in a way that's not so harsh on your hands. Okay, and also gives it a little bit uh, more body, so that it sticks on surfaces better, so that it works for longer. It doesn't just evaporate immediately. Ah, uh, gotcha. Or just run out of your hand mm-hmm. like water, yeah. like you're pouring water in your hand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, and then what was the, the third thing? The third thing is just hydrogen peroxide, and that's okay. just used in extremely tiny amounts um, to completely vaporize any spores or or any any other sort of microbes that could have encountered, you know, the sanitizer during the manufacturing process. Okay, it's really, it's not an active ingredient. Um, it, it doesn't work against uh, the virus. It's it's purely to sanitize the sanitizer. And that's, you know, when you're producing this industrially, you, you have to be concerned about things like fungus spores and stuff like that, which alcohol is not a good, okay. um, is not very effective against eliminating those. So ah, interesting. that's sort of like the least of anybody's concerns right now, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it's still required by the FDA. Gotcha. So it's peroxide from the sounds of it. Peroxide sounds like, like the HR department. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Just regulates the rest of the people yeah. and make sure they're not doing weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and once you guys uh, produce this, where, where does it go from there? Like where, where, like town under blacks, hand sanitizer, where does it go once it leaves your facility? So for us specifically, because we are such uh, a small production, um, we wanted our, product, the little that we can make to make the most impact, to make the most difference that it can. Um, So what we are focusing on is getting our sanitizer to the tribes because right now I think the numbers are like 30 to 40% of people um, on the Navajo reservation don't have access to running water. Um, So there, and these are communities that already are being hit hard because they're more prone to having 
underlying health conditions. Um, you have a population of elders who are the repositories for all of the knowledge for the tribe. And, and obviously people 65 and older are extremely at risk. Um, and so much of that information, so much of that history is not recorded anywhere else. It's just in, in their brains and in their hearts. And, um, it would just be such a devastating loss if this virus, um, ravages through these communities and with the casinos shut down, um, with so many other forms of revenue, not coming into the tribe through taxes and a long history of our federal government, maybe not being the best uh, at providing aid to these communities. That was a very um, nice way to say that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> that, that was very diplomatic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we just saw that there, there's an opportunity here um, to, to get sanitizer where sanitizer specifically would be of most need, you know, because yeah. obviously we in Tucson and in Phoenix um, and in and in most major cities in Arizona, we can stay home. We can wash our hands. We have soap and we have running water. Yeah. But if you don't have running water, suddenly this becomes a much harder uh, situation to combat. So <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think I don't think people would. You don't think about that, right? It's one mm-hmm. of those things where I, I mean, I, I think for some of us right now, we're getting a little taste of what it's like. I mean. Honestly, like we we can't find the right oat milk for that we like in our coffee right now. Right, we're like, yeah. We're like, oh, man. No oat leaves. Come <laughs> yeah, exactly. on. That's exactly what it is too. They got the other ones, but yeah. no oatly. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, but it is. It puts things into perspective, and then you know. So uh, you know, we're we're experiencing just just small small things, and 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 for me, I feel very you know. Me and my wife are we're very grateful for all the things that we have, and and we we've always tried to be like that. Um, you know, I guess now just amplifies it so much. We're like, holy shit. Like there's, there's some people out there dealing with some bad stuff. And, and, you know, you think, I don't know if anybody underestimates the, the negative impact non-running water would have. It's, it's phenomenal. Like it's unbelievable what that, that, what that does or what the issues that that can cause. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And not to be flippant, but we just got a notice from the apartment saying that they're about to turn our water off. So we're going to get a uh, a first, just to do a repair, not oh. because we're not paying the bills. <laughs> hey, come on. I'll buy some whiskey from you. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> but it, it probably scared you a little bit, right? Like it was like, oh shit, like what are we going to do? You know? Yeah. I mean, I, because I, I we make sanitizer. I don't have any sanitizer for myself. That's how much of a shortage it is because we've been giving it all away. Yeah. So we've been completely reliant on washing our hands, washing everything with soap and water. Um, and it really hits home when you don't yeah. have that, how, how, how much more at risk you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I love it that, you know, in situ in things like, and I say things like this, I mean, I, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. Um, but when, when things like things happen, it's awesome to see what, what humans will do to, to help one another and to, um, I don't know. It, it, I think the, the best come out in people, um, not always, I guess I should back up. <laughs> not always, but, but the, I, I think the good people step up and, and they do, they do what they need to do to, to help any way that they can. So absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. one of the best parts of this has been, um, all of the businesses reaching out to us. Um, and you know, our instant reaction is, okay, you want sanitizer, you know? Yeah. Um, and they come back and they say, no, 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 We, we just want to help. We just want to help you make sanitizer for other people, you know? And these ah. are, these are like all these businesses operating here in Tucson, you know, they're not beholden. Um, to help anybody outside of their own employees, you know, but but they are doing it just out of generosity. And uh, a lot of people, because we're doing this entirely out of pocket, we're not, we don't feel comfortable charging for, you know, we're not, we're not a sanitizer producer. We're a whiskey producer. Yeah. Um, So if we're, it's not our business to, to make sanitizer. That's not how we're supposed to be paying the bills. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. So 
when there's like a need for sanitizer like this for us to suddenly like switch gears and start like charging for it or making a profit off of it, just I can't rectify it. It just feels too gross to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we're just doing it out of pocket, but we will accept um you know, donations just towards, uh, to, to keep it churning, to keep it coming out. And people have completely opened up and, and made it possible for us to, to not only keep the lights on and keep the flow of sanitizer coming, but giving us packaging, you know, giving us, um, things to, to help distribute the sanitizer, uh, USPS and, and Amazon are coming to us for discounts for, shipping costs and freighting costs so it's it's been really heartening to see that yeah yeah that's great that's great to to bring like like all right i I don't know how i'm gonna get this out to there and then someone comes like hey i know you do this we'll help you out yeah yeah Yeah. we we know that part we don't know how to make sanitizers. you guys do that we'll we'll get it to them so uh that's great how do people how can people help you like how can like donations how can people help uh if you're listening to this and they're like people like hey i want to help in some way what are some of the ways people can help um so they can uh go to our website www.townunderblack.com and we've just set up a button on our main page that you can click and make a donation there um we've closed down the distillery to the public because we had too many people um you know, showing up and we need to keep this area sanitized to yes. keep it sterile yes. because yeah. we're, we're putting sanitizer out in the world. I don't want somebody, you know, accidentally touching a bottle and us not seeing it. And then now we're delivering sanitizer that's <laughs> contaminated. Right. Defeating um, the purpose of the whole right. thing. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, we, we're already going to have to um, interface with a lot of people for delivering these. And we just want to kind of keep our personal contact to a minimum. Yeah, that's smart. So, so definitely uh, feel free to go to the website. Um, and then obviously we're not the only people producing sanitizer. Right. So um, I would reach out to every other distillery in the state. So we have the Arizona Craft Distillers Guild is uh, one of our organizations here um, that we're a part of and that a lot of other craft distilleries are a part of. Um, And so if you go to their Facebook page, you can reach out to them and they can provide you with information for what other distilleries in the state that might be, you know, in your neighborhood that are producing sanitizer. Right now I know, um, Thunder Canyon in Tucson, they're producing sanitizer um, and they are selling it to the public. Okay. Um, and that I believe is around 12 or $13 for 16 ounces. And I think it's, it's, I think it's one per person limit. Okay. And then um, uh, Del Bach, Whiskey Del Bach yep. in Tucson, they're nice. producing sanitizer. They're donating it. I think so far they've, they've only been donating it to hospitals, to, TPD to the Tucson police department, um, to, um, clinics and, and the County health, um, officials. So they're getting a ton out to people. We have, um, flying leap down in Southern Arizona. They're producing sanitizer or no, I think they are produce, producing ethanol, okay. um, that other people can then use to produce sanitizer. And I think gotcha. that's going for around like $188 for a gallon and a quarter. Okay. Um, okay. so there's a lot of different options out there. There's Elgin distillery. Um, they are redistilling, um, mash from other distilleries that don't have the capacity to produce high enough um, ABV and then re-giving it back to those distilleries so that they can distribute sanitizer. So they're doing that for Whiskey Del Bach. They're doing that for Thunder Canyon. There's a lot of ways that distilleries are helping out. That's not necessarily, um, you know, hand-to-hand distributing yeah. sanitizer. Well, it's, it's, it's all those pieces, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. doing their pieces of like, Hey, we can do this. Like we can't do that, but if you can do this for us, we can do that. It's just that, that, that's the community. Right. And yeah. it's, it's amazing. I love it. And then the breweries are getting involved, which I yeah. find to be awesome because um, they're obviously when you, your craft beer, you want it to be consumed 
within a certain time frame, right? Yeah. So, or before it it gets too old. Yeah. Um. So as you know, there's beers that are that have been distributed to restaurants that are just sitting on the shelf. So I know. Um. I think Santan and I also believe Dragoon are uh, buying back their beer from from the restaurants and then either distilling it themselves or giving it to distilleries. So they're distilling uh, PAs into sanitizer. So it's got that great scent to it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Like that's, that's yeah. true craft sanitizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I know. Cause I know Oso. they were do, they were, they Oso, were shipping yeah. kegs, like kegs of it mm-hmm. to, to the hospitals. And yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's really cool because um, and maybe it's just because this is the industry that I'm in, but I feel like food and beverage is being hit the hardest or one mm-hmm. of the hardest by this whole thing. Right. I mean, we're lucky in the state that, that, you know, these places can still stay open at this point for like takeout and curbside and all that. Um, but despite the fact that, that most of companies like yours and like these breweries, uh, struggling now, they're still helping other people. It's not like they're hold up and saying, no, I need to protect my shit. Now it's like, Hey, what can we do to help? Like, let's, that's awesome. That, that says so much. It does. Yeah. And I, I think I, I probably heard it on NPR or something, but um, talking about how the people with the least to give are the most generous. Yeah. And you know, it's all these, these uh, breweries and restaurants all being hit so hard and all their employees are being hit so hard. And I think it's because you feel it the most, you know, yeah. you feel what it's like to, to have that loss of business and, and connection. And so you're more inclined, you're more empathetic and more inclined to, to do something about it for other people. That's true. That is, that's, that's a good, a good way to look at it. It's a good point. Um, so anything else about that? We're going to, I want to talk to you about one other thing before we wrap it up, but was there anything else you want to add about the hand sanitizer? Any, anything that, that you want to add? Um, I guess let me just shout out a couple more distilleries because I feel compelled to to give yeah. everybody, uh, you know, because we're all in this and <laughs> absolutely because um, I know hell of a brewing company is giving mash to Adventurous Stills up in Tennessee. Yes, yes, and, they're, and they're, they're those are two businesses, you know, collaborating to to get this out there to people. And um, Caskworks is another distillery uh, in yeah. uh, I think they're also in Tempe. Tempe, yep, and uh, they sort of got early out on this and and started distributing information for distilleries to uh, lab test all of their sanitizer. They really um, sort of uh, pioneered that effort yeah. um, so that we can all make sure, you know, have independent verification sanitizer is is meeting these these thresholds. Yeah. Uh, people are, are taking it really seriously um, and trying to do this right and trying to do it responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you to everybody out there that is doing amazing, amazing things. Um, keep it up. Go check you guys out. Yeah. You can go to your website and donate as you are actually drinking some of your whiskey now because it is for sale. Yes. Yeah. It's for sale. It's actually for sale. And you know what? You can help out other local businesses, you know, by, yeah. by hitting those retailers and, and, and giving them some money. Yeah. Absolutely. So one last thing. So this is probably highlighting my, my lack of knowledge when it comes to many things, but knowing that you are an arc, you're an archeologist. How long have you been an archeologist? Um, I, my first job was in 2009. Okay. Okay. You've been doing this. You've been doing this for a while. Yeah. I I knew you knew your shit, but you know, (laughs) but so when I was today, I was, I was kind of thinking of some different, you know, different topics I wanted to talk to you about. And I know, you know, you and I had talked before about different things you want to talk about, but I'm like, I want to ask you about what's going on right now, right? You've got this pandemic that's going on and with your, what I'm assuming, like I said, uh, my, I might be limited in my knowledge, but, but I assume with what you do, um, you study a lot of like ancient plagues and, and pandemics and things like that. Is that, is that something you come across or dive into at all? 
Our archaeologists definitely do that. That's okay. not been my area of expertise, so I'll do what okay. I can. Okay. You know, to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you? For, okay, let's let's put it this way. For, with and you don't even have to make any comparisons or anything like that. What is what is your take on the whole the whole situation and, and its impact on on I guess the human evolution or cycle or what, whatever. Oh, I think, God, I, I think you know what I'm like. That's a, that's a, that's a huge loaded question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that, but I can um, bring out a cute parallel to history. Okay. That's relevant. Okay. Yes. Um, it, which is um, during the, the Spanish influenza, which we've sort of seen as like the most direct corollary, corollary to what's happening right now. That was the one in 1918, 1919. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arizona was um, under prohibition at that time. We adopted prohibition much earlier than the rest of the United States. Okay. Um, so Arizona was dry, but during the Spanish flu, they allowed distilleries to start producing whiskey again. Because whiskey was seen as a treatment for for the influenza, so I think it, it still distilleries is. have always <laughs> been coming in clutch for for these sort of respiratory illnesses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw there was an article, um, and and I'm I'm not going to lie, I, I saw the headline, I didn't read it, <laughs> but it was talking about how um, whiskey could be beneficial, like for what's going on right now as a as a remedy, not, not a cure. Don't quote me on that. Anybody listening, it's not a cure, uh, yeah. but it, but it is, it is something that, that is helpful. It's sure. I mean, all, spirits all started as medicine. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I do like exploring with the distillery and, and with this archeology span is looking at um, all these different, um, you know, indications with plants and and how they can be applied to our spirits um, to have this sort of holistic approach to doing distilled spirits and 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 whiskey as I don't want to say a medicine necessarily because I don't mean for it to to treat any sort of sure. specific ail- ailment. You know, disclaimer: but, Beck is not getting yeah. giving medical advice right <laughs> now, but. <laughs> But uh, more, more of an existential sort of treatment. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so it's been really, it's been cool looking at all these um, medicinal plants in Arizona and and collecting them and applying them. So when we were first getting into looking for, um, looking into producing hand sanitizer and was we couldn't find it anywhere. Nobody okay. was able to source it because it, it had just completely run out um, all the of, stocks of what now I think you cut out right there, but what was it? What, what, what had run out of glycerol, the, oh, glycerol. Uh, the okay. emollient that's used in, in, in producing sanitizer. Gotcha. So prior to the FDA coming out and saying, okay, you can make sanitizer, but it has to be this certain way. We're looking into different substitutes that we can use for, uh, for, for an emollient. Yeah, and obviously gotcha. aloe is one because you see lots of hand sanitizers that use aloe and aloe is everywhere in yeah. Arizona. Um, and you know, it's a landscaped plant. So it's not like we're going out into the desert and like hacking up aloe. You yeah. Know, this is, <laughs> these, these are like in people's gardens, you know, they're, they're looking to like um, sort of just sustainably harvest a couple leaves of it and keep the plant alive and to be able to produce all of this. And, and we started looking into um, mallow, you know, we have a a version of it, globe mallow growing here, but the mallow plant is actually, um, it's called marshmallow like marshmallow because that was originally the, the ingredient that made it, that thickened it and made it have that sort of, fluffy viscousness to to marshmallow so there's just all different ways that we can look to history to to help us out you know in these in these times and creosote you know is is great for um eczema and like dermatitis and we're all washing our hands so much right now and our skin is really suffering for it so looking at at producing hand sanitizer with creosote in it you know obviously what is that what is creosote yeah oh um so when you go out into the desert right after it rains and you smell Uh, that smell yeah creosote um so they are they they're the super dark green 
um, bushes with really tiny leaves and um, yellow flowers and little white puffballs. Okay, yeah. You see them all over, um, but they're native here and they're everywhere. There's no shortage of creosote. So I don't remember what your original question was. I, I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. About- <laughs> no, that was, that exceeded my expectations. I loved it. I loved it. Well, you know, that creosote, um, and I, I, I hope I'm correct with this, but we did, we went to, when Tammy, when Tamara Stanger was still at Helio Basin, they had a beer dinner and the dessert was this, I don't remember what I think it was some sort of ice cream and it was dry ice. And so it was like coming, like it was like, you know, the dry ice smoke type of thing. And she had that on that was like, it was like a garnish. And so you could smell it. And cause yeah, I remember super aromatic. It has those oils that, yeah, that, um, that, that, um, what could that, that aerosolize in the water. So when it rains, that's why they come out. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, cause everybody like, because she didn't say what it was. So she passed it out first and everyone's like, everyone's going, what is that? And I'm, I'm going to my wife. I'm like, what is, I know that smell like, and everyone's like, what, what is that? So then she explained, she's like, what you're smelling is the desert when it rains. And everyone's like, yeah. ah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And then she explains. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's, and I, I could be wrong and that could be like a poisonous plant and I'm telling everybody to put it on their ice cream, but uh, you know, <laughs> don't do, don't try Tammy Stanger's cooking at home. You know, uh, no, yeah. you should, you should. Cause the she's expert. amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so before we wrap up back, um, episode 119, Episode 119 was Town Under Black. Uh, we recorded that on March 18th of last year. Oh, uh, yeah. And the episode came out April 17th. So next Friday will be the one-year anniversary of the episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yep. So just the beginning. Just the beginning. So. <laughs> yeah. So next time we're on. Maybe, okay. A year from now, we'll come on again and we'll talk about all of our latest stuff with our beers and our, yeah. our experiments. And Vlad slipped me a little note here. He's like, tell them about our beer experiments. Uh, it's <laughs> over now. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about it. Have Vlad come on, have him tell me about the beer. I yeah. love it. Um, I would love that. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully a year from now, we're talking about the collaboration that tap that AZ did with town under black, uh, you know, the wild beer. So just yeah. plant, planting that seed, no pun intended. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you, will Vlad jump on? Will he tell yeah, me about, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Tell me to get hey, over here. Bear. Come on. I'm sorry. I mean, bear. Yeah. Bear yes. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you see Vlad, it makes sense. He is a bear. He, him and I, I think we had the biggest bear hug in like Tucson history when I was down there. <laughs> he does great bear hugs. Come on, Vlad. Tell us about the rabbits. Tell him about the rabbits, Vlad. Hey, can you hear me, buddy? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. I can see, I can see you beautifully too. The beard is looking, it looks like it thinned out. You thinned it out a little bit, trimmed it. Oh, I'm just, Oh, it's, it's just blending into your no, black I'm shirt. Just, yeah, I just have terrible facial hair. <clears throat> so, dude, what's going on with the with the beer? I, I've I've been I've been stalking you on Instagram. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. You're on the Instagram. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, that's pretty much a post. Pretty much everything that I'm doing on there. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we're doing we're experimenting with making beers. We don't know very much about beer stuff. So I can't be like this is a okay, don't sell myself short. All right. So <laughs> we're making we're experimenting with a few different things. Okay. Do you want? <laughs> but yes, we're doing a lot of historical beers. Yes. Um the experiment we're doing right now is the we're trying to do a wild yeast pot where we, you get a porous clay pot, which do not exist in America anymore. They're all glazed over. So oh, Brad actually, or Beck has one from when she was in Africa. She brought one back. And so we started harvesting wild yeasts in that because they'll get in the pores and they'll hang out there. And you've probably seen um, <clears throat> like experiments where they're trying to like get in there and pull yeast out of pots that are thousands of years old. Yeah. Yeah, from ancient Egypt and I think like Roman ones too. They've been doing. Yeah, Dogfish Head does that. Oh, that's right. They did yeah. the, on the show that Midas they did. Touch, I think. Yep. Yep. And so we're trying to essentially create one of those. So you just put 
uh, beer in it, and then it just ferments from the yeast that just constantly lives in there. And we gathered uh, yeast from olives that grow in Tucson. They're landscaped a lot in Tucson, but they really like it here. I mean, it's a good it's a good place from the be because of the dryness and the heat. Okay. And they have just wonderful yeast. It's so good. It makes olives do. Yeah. It makes everything Ah. smell like olives. So your beer, like it doesn't taste like olives, but that has that nice, like olivey, like tangy oceany smell to it. I'm in, I love olives. (laughs) Yeah. And so we've been doing that completely open fermented, completely wild fermented and doing like, um, uh, cool ships before like cool ship it and then put it in there. And that's an interesting experiment. That yeah. <laughs> has some success. They're very, very weird beers, very tangy, uh, not like sour, not like, you know, kettle sours or something like that where the lactose in there, they just like have a, but they're still very tangy. So okay. Those are interesting. Yeah. Um, we're growing, our own corn right now. So I took some of the malted corn that we were using to experiment with the whiskey and planted it and have been growing it for about three or four months now because there is a traditional um, Native American beer where you use just the corn stalks because they retain sugar and you can harvest them either right before the corn starts to bud or you can just pull off the buds, the, the actual, what the turns into what you eat is corn. Okay. And then they'll mature and keep all of the sugar in the stock. It's kind of like a weird corn run. Uh, we're doing that. And my favorite thing is I harvested yeast from a bee. What? Which has been a ton of fun and is making really interesting meat and beers. Yeah. So they have a unique yeast that's really, really good at honey obviously their digestive system. And so we did um, making a honey based syrup for a cocktail that we were doing for a town under black event. And all these bees like flew in and they started to like knock against the window and get all exhausted. So we're trying to get them out and trying to like find them alive. Yeah. But about four or five of them died before we could rescue them. And so I uh, honey water and put little, you know, mortar and pestle and just squished the bees up in yeah and kept feeding that honey and it became this really really interesting yeast that's got like a really peppery kind of hard to give flavor like not similar to things i've had like weird and pepper and very well tasting yeah dude that we made awesome. yeah we made a pale ale with that and then um <clears throat> We made this double beer that was kind of planned as like a black and tan. Okay. For Ostara or Ostara, I don't correct pronunciation, but it's a, a Wiccan holiday that Easter was big, but it happened in uh, March. Okay. The spring equinox. And so it marks, you know, the point where the days and nights are at equal length. And so we made a dark beer and a light beer, you know, to stand for those two. Yeah. And the. Light beer was this one that had the bee yeast in it. And we bittered it with um, roasted dandelion roots, ah. which works wonderfully. I've heard it's, that. Yeah. yeah it's in, in place of hops, right? In pl- we still had aromatic hops. But okay. We did not do the bittering hops. Okay. Those were completely um, roasted dandelion, which okay. is really, really interesting because it has it's bitter just like hops, but it's very different. It's not like that kind of dank, tarish bitterness you get with hops it's very very bright and floral bitterness so that turned out real well and then the other the dark beer was made with the sourdough one of my friend's sourdoughs and i made a real dark beer with a lot of patent malt in it and put um fennel and burdock was it fennel no wasn't fennel what am i thinking (laughs) metal metal (laughs) metal and burdock what are those um, Nettle rock and dandelion world are super, super, super important um, pre-industrial crops. Not even crops because okay. they're they're wild. Yeah, they're hugely important foods because you know when humans are going through the winter, eat preserved and preserved grain. There's nothing growing, yeah. and so. Most of the world, until we started having like oranges that you could buy at the store, would come into spring with scurvy. Uh, and 
at the very beginning of spring, first edible greens that pop up are nettle and dandelion, both of which are incredibly high in vitamin C. Okay. So this was a big thing. You know, we have the Ostara again with the, we're starting to mark the turn towards growing things. These were the first edible greens that anybody nutrition dandelion the vitamin and magnesium and selenium a bunch of these minerals that are also not available when all you're eating is preserved meats and grains uh it was important that there's even a story an irish story and i'm not gonna say it right because it's the way the poem is written is like Gaelic. But essentially where in the port of Glasgow, there was a funeral procession for a young girl and a mermaid just popped her head out of the water and basically sang at them, eat your fucking greens, bitch. She specifically <laughs> said, um, if more maidens ate April and um, muggins in May, which is mugwort, okay. send fewer of them to the club, very less of them. So that was how significant important that was. Burdock is similar to that. It's another medicinal herb. So basically the idea was coming into spring, get all three of these super important herbs and put them into this beer. Yeah. And I think it turned out really well. Man, I wait, Beck's talking to me. What? Gruits. gruits the gruits, yeah. The gruits? No, they're hopped. Yeah, they were all hopped. Uh, so there was aromatic hops in the dandelion one, and then the other one was hopped normally. Okay. Because nettle and burdock are not, they're not bitter at all. Um, okay. Nettle is kind of like cabbage spinachy. I mean, it's a green. You can literally eat it like you would le- eat um, spinach. Okay. We just okay. don't do it anymore. Yeah. And burdock is kind of fruitish but not not a super strong flavor so that one was hopped normally yeah all the bitterness came from the hops yeah those are experiments i love it man i love it i was i was telling beck how you guys are are you we both talking to you at the same time yeah (laughs) you go first (laughs) i was just gonna i was just gonna say um i just love i was telling beck how awesome it is for you guys just you guys love this like you love what what you guys do it's not it's not a money grab you guys are dude this looks cool i want to do this it's like no you guys you guys are in this in this thing i love it man we we love yeah and we're um that reminds me where i'm trying to make my first lager right now Ah, Um, i'm making a pilsner style like an american pilsner with the corn but we're using our blue corn which is a really cool thing where the the chemical that makes it blue is it's like butterfly pea. It's its color depends on the acidity. So when it's very alkaline, it's green. When it's kind of middle of the road, it's purple or very dark. And then when it's um, low pH, it's pink. It's bright pink. Ah. And so right now the beer is purple. And as it ferments and the pH naturally drops, it's going to turn into a bright pink pilsner. Oh, which I think is gonna be really interesting. I love that, dude. I, I so I, I, I apologize to you guys. I've been down to Tucson a couple times and I haven't read to let you guys know. <laughs> We've been so busy. It's, I, it's I totally know. Fine. I know. But when this is all said and done, man, we're gonna we're gonna have a big party down in Tucson. I'm, awesome. I'm, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I'm, let's wrap this thing up. Love okay. seeing you guys. Um, I'll hand you back to back, Vlad. Thanks, buddy. Keep yeah, doing the good shit, man. Yeah, to hear from you again, man. Yeah, you too, man. Okay, here she is. Look at that exchange. That is that was nice. Oh, you know, so he is. Ah, uh, he is. Uh, half of the time, I'm like, I don't even know the words he's saying, but it just sounds beautiful. <laughs> I know. I taught him everything he knows. I swear. I can see, I can see that. I can see that for sure. <laughs> Well, Beck, thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time. Um, you guys keep doing what you guys do, which is amazing, amazing stuff. Just being awesome people and and making great products. Thank you, Eric. Thank you yeah. for doing what you do and getting the word out about all of this stuff always and being so fucking enthusiastic. It really ah. feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. I So I... Uh, this is, I don't know. It's just my natural energy level, right? Yesterday. So I started running in the morning. So I'm a big dude, you know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a bear like Vlad, I'm 295 pounds. So I started running and I'm, I'm starting to get into, into pretty good shape. 
well, yesterday I was jogging and I twisted my ankle like really bad. So the last two days I've been sitting in the chair and I'm like, I'm going nuts. Like I just want to do <laughs> shit, right? Just my natural energy level. I have to be moving. So, um, thank you for recognizing that enthusiasm. I, uh, it's, it's genuine and it's uncontrollable at some time at times, but, <laughs> but I think it all works out. <laughs> awesome. Well, Beck, thank you so much. Uh, once again, what's your guys' website? www.townunderblack.com. Pretty, pretty basic, pretty straightforward. Episode mm-hmm. 119 on tap.az, Town Under Black Distillery, featuring the fine folks from uh, Cotton and Copper as well. Um, I think, I, I don't remember if we got the, I think we got the Crooked Tooth people on there too. Um, I love those guys as well. So They're the best. They're absolutely yeah. the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I told Vlad, uh, when this is all, when this all blows over, we are having a big party down in Tucson. So hope, uh, hope you guys yeah. are ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> we were set to uh, open our tasting room this summer, but uh, now we'll, we'll, little we'll delay. Yeah. when it, when it opens. <laughs> Where, do you find a spot or are you, is it going to, Oh, it's going to be at your distillery. We'd, we actually, um, we had, such an amazing opportunity to take over the unit next door to us, which was the old uh, location of 1055 Brewing. That's right. Yeah. So, so we're moving into their space. They were super cool about it. Um, so yeah, it's coming, coming. And then you get to taste all of these weird bee yeast and nettle experiments that we're doing. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. You guys take care. Keep doing awesome things and we'll talk soon. All right. Stay safer. All right. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.